This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports when there are high school sports to play. So I am Michael Dwojek, and with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino here as we uh, get you ready for another episode of the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to uh podcast, whether that be iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it now, Spotify, what have you. We are there to make sure, so make sure that you are looking for us there as we uh, have all our episodes, whether that be our uh, our uh, Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know if anyone really accepted our invites last week. I know obviously it wasn't like an official invitation, but uh, Joe, I know you said you got maybe a, a wink and a nod about an invitation. We're not sure though. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, a lot of moving parts, but it seems good. Tomorrow's a big day, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but we got, a, we got some stuff to talk about without any, uh, without any actually ongoing sports going on in the high school uh, North Shore area. We're going to talk about uh, the latest just happening here, um, give you guys an update on that. I know Joe and I both caught up with some local teams, um, kind of getting a reaction from them about um, – what what's going on what do you really do right now basically without any sports until the new year uh we've got a new trier football player who's going to be honored uh for being an all-american we'll talk to him and since this weekend thanksgiving weekend is always a championship football weekend um here in the state of illinois um we'll talk about what could have been and look back a little bit a couple years ago to uh, a fun uh fun little revenge tour that took place and kind of talk about the fun memories we had covering those games as well. But why don't we get things started right away by giving you guys an update on everything that's going on. And the update is that there is no update. We don't know. I mean, there's no new news really on what is happening. Um, as we talked about last in last week's episode, um, there won't be any high school sports taking place until the new calendar year. Um, obviously things need to change a little bit. Things need to change based on numbers, statistics, whether that be case numbers, positivity rate, hospitalization rates. Um, but yeah, no indoor sports are taking place for the foreseeable future in December. Um, and that affects a lot of sports. I know, um, Joe, why don't we start with you? You caught up with, uh, some of the non-contact sports because, um, when we talked about basketball was obviously a highly, uh, contested issue with, you know, the drama that happened with Pritzker saying no, then IHS saying, well, now we're not going to listen to you, but then it all turned around and it's a whole, it's very dramatic. Um, but there were going to be non-contact sports that were going to take in place, whether that be boys swimming or cheerleading or um, girls gymnastics. So, uh, Joe, why don't you tell us who you talked to and what kind of the reaction was um, based on the news that there likely won't be sports until the new calendar year? Yeah, we wanted to to kind of dive into uh lack uh, that's a good pun for what i'm about to say but um so they, 
what, what these coaches, <laughs> and, you know, some of the student athletes might be thinking from sports that are, are non-contact. You know, we've covered a lot of the contact ones, the bigger, um, you know, more popular sports in the state in terms of, uh, you know, attendance and stuff. But a lot of these non-contact sports, um, you know, it came as a surprise to them, at least to the new Trier swimming coach, Josh Runkle. Um, as well as the Nutria gymnastics coach, Jen Pistorius. Pistorius. You know, they were really caught off guard, you know, when I guess the writing was on the wall a little bit with how the the context was going and how the conversations were going. Um, things were kind of coming in from uh, the governor's office, and you could just kind of tell the way they were talking about it. Um, you, you know, a decision could be made to just go back a step in mitigations, and that would in turn – um, canceled all indoor sports, which is all these sports are in the winter from bowling to gymnastics, to swimming, um, cheerleading and dance. So, um, you know, it was really, I think tough. They had to, while the sports started on that Monday, um, the winter sports, Nutria actually didn't start practicing until Tuesday because of their COVID screening. Everyone had to clear that screening. So on Tuesday, um, they got together as teams, you know, whether in the pool or in the gym and then, you know, that night is when, um, is when Pritzker announced the, the mitigation efforts, the increased mitigation efforts, and so they're canceled. So it was just um, really hard to see all their kids. Josh Runkle talked about, you know, it was really special to have everybody back in the pool, um, in the Nutrier um, um, pool again, um, you know, his whole, his whole squad. And then, you know, that night it was over. They had till Friday basically together and, you know, it was really tough to kind of having to tell them that and work with them and set up a plan to, to work virtually gymnastics, same thing. They met on Tuesday and found out that night and uh, well um, now they're really in doubt for, for a season as a whole. And when I talked to one of the gymnasts too, senior Amelia Montgomery and her story is really um, I think um, gives you an inside look at what some of these student athletes are dealing with. And, you know, look, we're, we understand what, what's going on. We're just trying to give context. So with, without saying these mitigations are right or wrong or anything, um, they are what they are. So this is what student athletes are dealing with. Amelia Montgomery last year at the state tournament at the state meet of gymnastics, she's been there three years, but last year on her favorite event, the bars, she actually uh, missed her dismounted and fell. And that was the last routine of the year in her favorite event. So um, she, you know, something that happens your junior year, you're not happy about it, of course, but you expect to be back next year and you expect to, um, you know, whether it's at, it's in the state series or before the state series, um, kind of redeem yourself or at least have that opportunity to. Um, and now she's really lamenting that chance that she might not get to and um, really starting to set in that that's quite in doubt. And she, she even said, which I thought was um, really, um, you know, heartbreaking after me, it was like, she just wants one, just one meet. Um, you know, that really stood out to me. Um, that, that's all she's looking for. So um, a little insight into what's going on with these student athletes and how they just want one more opportunity and how really the COVID pandemic has, has erased so much uh, of, of what they enjoy in life. Um, and they've had to look to other avenues to kind of fulfill that. And it's tough, uh, tough on everybody, but um, with those efforts, um, with those mitigation efforts, everything's really in doubt in 2021. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh... Joe, you mentioned how um, it kind of caught them by surprise. I, I, I also saw in your story you talk about just 
um, kind of remaining optimistic. And what what has it kind of been like from based on your conversations? Just what has it kind of been like with the school administration with uh, you know the AD Augie Fondanetta? Just what has it kind of been like the communication wise with all of them? Um, just trying to obviously fight for these players and trying to um, make sure that they do get that one more meet. Yeah, they really expressed um, both Runkle and uh, and Pistorius, as well as as well as Emil Montgomery, the the senior. Um, they expressed confidence that Augie will do everything he can, um, and it's it's obviously a privilege that that Augie's on the board of directors there at the IHSA. Um, so he might one have you know um, information right away and might have a greater influence on any outcomes. Um, so they think that's that's an advantage. And I think that, you know, I think I wrote in the story, they're holding out hope because, you know, what else can you do? Um, you can't really train anywhere. You can't, uh, at least in, you know, indoors, it's, it's really difficult to, so to keep your mind occupied, uh, you really got to hold on to that hope because, um, you know, there's nothing really else to do at this point because the pandemic is going to guide a lot of the decision-making. So I do think they're hopeful, especially the low contact sports, um, they're optimistic overall. Yeah, definitely. And uh, good stuff there. Good to get some insight from them. And then um, I actually caught up with uh, the Nutria girls hockey team um, and the Winnetka Youth uh, Club talking about um, what's been a, a pretty crazy year for uh, our local hockey uh, area teams. Um, everything that happened, you know, in March at the beginning um, of the pandemic when things were suddenly canceling, um, that was happening when uh, both the boys and uh, girls were in their uh, final four for the state tournament championship. And we had both uh, New Trier um, and Loyola girls being in the final four. And we had uh, New Trier among the finalists uh, in the final four for the boys team as well. Um, and then all of that got uh, canceled. I mean, just like everything else in the world. I mean, that tournament got canceled and there was a, uh, nothing from there. And then from, from that moment on, um, it's just been wait and see at that point. I caught up, like I mentioned, uh, with the new Trier uh, girls hockey team and uh, head coach Lenny Munson talked to me and uh, just talked about how at that moment, I mean, they were, they were the number one seed in the tournament. Um, Loyola was likely going to play them in the championship game at the United Center. And that would have been one heck of a game. I mean, obviously everyone who uh, listen to this podcast, know that the Loyola Nutrier rivalry is probably both schools' favorite rivalry. Um, a, lot of, a lot goes into that. And for that, anytime that rivalry happens at a state championship, whether that be hockey or lacrosse or uh, other sports, I mean, there's always a lot of intensity to that. So um, the girls talked about how it was rough to lose that opportunity. I mean, they hoped maybe, yeah, in a couple of weeks, like once things die down, maybe. Um, we can reschedule the semifinals and the finals, and that obviously never happened. So since then, they've just been trying to figure things out. Um, during the summer, they had, um, and during the fall, they had open, they had practices. Um, they could only have 10 people on the ice at one time. Um, you had to social distance. Every girl had to wear a mask. Every girl had to come dressed um, at the rink because the locker room, you're not allowed to be in the locker room. Um, during that. And at that point, uh, head coach Lee Munson just, um, he just took everyone in. He didn't, for his tryout, he didn't cut anyone. Um, he had everyone be part of the team because it was a good way to kind of escape everything that was going on in the world. So um, they had two one-hour practices uh, a week 
first hour, you just do skill stuff, whether that be, you know, one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and then the other half hour is just having fun doing some cool stuff. And um, obviously during all that, you had to be social distance. You couldn't um, really go anywhere, or do anything. So no checking, no, no uh, anything crazy, just basically one-on-one -on -one rushes and getting shots on the goalie at that point. And ever since then, I mean, the Nutrier girls team and the other local teams have just been waiting. I mean, AHI um, follows, AHI is the governing body for hockey in the state of Illinois, and it follows what uh, J.B. Pritzker says to do, and they've just been waiting. I mean, AHI apparently has a schedule ready if things ever change, but um, with the uh, new restrictions, the team also had to stop practicing, um, and now they're just waiting. I mean, uh, Coach Lenny Menson mentioned, and the other girls mentioned how this team was probably one of the best teams in the past five years. And that includes a team that won the state championship in 2018. So this team was, they were, they were really ready to make some noise this season. And um, talking to some of the girls, they're just so sad because they might never even get the chance to play one game together as that dominant new Trier team. Um, and Joe kind of echoing off of, um, what you saw in your story, I mean, they just want to play one game at this point. They they aren't asking for a state championship. They're not asking for a whole tournament. They just want to play against another team. They don't really care who they play. But as long as they play, I mean, there's only so much practice you can do at this point. So um, it's a struggle. I mean, it's obviously a struggle for everyone going through this. But it's been tough. But a lot of the girls also mentioned how it's really – it's been fun because – you, I mean, they're not going to school. They weren't really going into school and they got to see their friends. I mean, they got to see their friends at practice that they don't get to see otherwise. So um, while it was different circumstances and different, uh, a different atmosphere, it was definitely really cool um, for them just to have the chance to practice. But I, I would agree there where um, they just want to play. It seems that's what everyone wants to do. It seems like everyone has done a really good job of, you know, following protocols. You do what you can do you try to make it as safe as possible for the kids. And at this point, I think everyone, um, including us, I mean, we're just, it's a waiting game for us just to see what happens, just to see how the trends, uh, if the trends get better um, or whether they'll make any sort of change there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens as we move forward. Obviously we'll have all the latest news. Um, if there is any news to talk about, um everything that's going on in the local sphere hope we won't probably have any news until uh the new calendar year but um hopefully the numbers get better and those uh athletes get those chances to play at least uh that one more game so um we're halfway through the podcast let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor the illinois bone and joint institute they have many locations in the chicago area so make sure you check them out move better live better it's a good model to have um, so let's move on over to the second half where, uh, Joe, we're going to go back to you and we're going to, where you caught up with a new chair football player who, um, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, I don't know when, obviously people aren't going to be listening to this, um, on Wednesday, but on Wednesday night, uh, he will be a new chair football player will be recognized for being an all American. Um, so Joe, why don't you take us and tell us who that football player is and, uh, what that honor entails. Yeah, sure. That's um, uh, the offensive lineman, one of the one of the top recruits at Illinois. Some people say he's the number one recruit, David David Davidkoff. Um, he's from Winneka. 
Um, he played youth sports in, in, for the Wilmette Eagles and then the, the junior Trevian. So a uh, lifelong guy up here has just really been growing, and he's one of the best um, offensive lineman recruits in the nation going to Iowa next year. And now he's one of – well, he, he actually found out in spring, but he's one of 100 um, All-America players. And tonight, uh, which is Wednesday, as Michael mentioned, um, on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, so you can probably catch it at any time, um, he'll be honored with a jersey presentation, his All-America jersey, um, in a series called The Road to the Dome Tour. So um, just a little series from NBC Sports, and they're going to kind of follow along or follow up with all the other um, All-America players. And uh, David David calls one of them. Um, so I talked to him a little bit about that and his growth from sophomore year. Hopefully, I have this story up for you guys on Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, let you guys uh, sit on the couch and, and read some good stuff after Thanksgiving. But um, you know, he he talked about um, you know one obviously his growth in stature, but more importantly, um, one uh, it started with his strength, and then it, it moved on to his leadership abilities. And now this year, he's really focusing on his movement, his footwork. Um, and uh, Coach Brian Dahl, the new Trier football coach, also spoke with him, talked a little bit about how um, his leadership is really something that sets him apart. Um, he started as a sophomore on a very senior-heavy line, and they accepted him pretty right away. He became kind of the star there um, on a pretty talented offensive line. As new playoff, Trier. A playoff team, if I'm not playoff mistaken. Team, yeah, seven, and seven and two, I believe. Yeah, they produced some good offensive hey, in there. Um, that that have been known to go to to big colleges. So um, <clears throat> he, you know, he he started there and, and he worked his way up, and he's been a leader ever since. And um, you know, Dole said that's something that'll be pretty good for him um, as he moves on to Iowa. Um, and uh, I, I say it like that because um, we're gonna drop a bit of a news break, a little a little bomb on the podcast. Um, Joe bomb, Joe bomb. <laughs> David's actually graduating Nutria early if everything goes as planned, which it, it looks like it, it is. He's graduating in January, and he'll be off to Iowa City um, right then for, for early enrollment in Iowa. That means if there is a football season in the spring, he will not be playing for the Nutria Trevians. He'll already be in Iowa City and a graduate. So um, little little bit of a um, bittersweet moment for, for Dole and the Trevs, but he said he supports his player. 100% um, and doing what he has to do. It's a weird year for everybody. This decision had, you know, he talked about how a difficult decision it was, but it, it was best for his future. And from what Dole said, you know, um, David was a little more timid about it, but Coach Dole was pretty uh, blunt by saying, you know, Iowa wants him on the field. Um, whether he redshirts freshman year and then gets on the field or um, they put him in right away, they want him to be an early producer for them. So, um, it looks bright. You know, all Americas, like I mentioned, um, all American players are, you know, there's only a hundred across the country every year. So it's Nutrier coach dolls, only all America player, um, that he's had. Um, and uh, he said there hasn't been any in the CSL through the years, maybe a handful, um, since he's been in Nutrier. So pretty cool feat. You guys can check that out tonight on the uh, NBC sports YouTube channel. Uh, well, or look, <laughs> look up the NBC sports YouTube channel and search David Davidkoff. Um, but pretty cool story. We'll have the full story on him and his graduating early on Friday. Any indication, Joe, from Coach Dahl on how the Trevs uh, might look this upcoming season if we get a season? I think the Trevs are expecting to be pretty good. Um, just knowing um, who they're bringing back, um, they have they have a few athletes coming back in the offensive end. They're really excited about um, Brody Roth and uh, 
um, Tyler Harden. Um, should get a lot of carries. I call them athletes because I think they're going to get multiple uh, looks, um, not just as running backs. But um, they got some depth. They got some skills. I think some, multiple players are going to the college ranks. Davidkoff's going to be a big hit for them. Obviously, they want they like big to win loss, the yeah. Um, but uh, I think they're going to be pretty deep. I think they're a playoff team in a normal year, um, depending on if the, how many wins they stack up. On top of that, uh, is going to you know as we know. Um, determine their seating and how far they, they can possibly get. But I think they'll be pretty good. Yeah, and if, uh, if memory serves me correctly, like you mentioned two years ago, they had a pretty senior-heavy roster um, and, and a really nice season, made the playoffs. Um, I believe lost to Oak Park and River Forest in the first round. Um, but last year they had a lot of youth on the roster, so there were some growing experiences and a bit of a, dis, bit of a disappointing season by their standards. So um, I, I think, as Joe said, you can expect – if we get a football season to see the Trevs bounce back pretty nicely this year. Um, but losing David's going to be a huge loss because especially in the, in the high school, in the foot, in the high school football game, you really have to rely on your, on your linemen. Um, if you have a good line, you're, you're going to have a pretty, pretty nice offense usually in high school football. Definitely. So uh, based on talking about football, um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Thanksgiving weekend, always a fun weekend for high school football fans with the championship games going on. And um, unfortunately, obviously this year, those games are not taking place um, at NIU this year. I think it would have been NIU this year because I think it was in Champaign last year. Right. Um, but uh, based on that, I mean, do we, obviously, do we think that Loyola, uh, or any of our other teams would have been playing this weekend had uh, if the world didn't just turn out upside down in March? I mean, I think so. I'm a, I'm a relatively um, – I guess I'm a homer uh, when it comes to the team we <laughs> cover. I, I don't think – you know, I, I tend to be overly optimistic, but it's not hard with the Ramblers, right? They usually kind of prove your predictions right, at least close to it. And they have, they're pretty stacked um, with all their guys coming back. I remember we talked to Halasek, um early on, uh, our first episode of the podcast, um, I think, and you know where he was talking about how how many players he had coming back. He isn't very rare to have this many players, and very rare to have that many players that are going to college at the next level. Um, yeah, and so you know, the, it's always such a, a fun start to the holiday season. Is Thanksgiving going into a day off, going into um, Saturday, Friday, and Saturday football? Um, at state and getting to watch whether it's the Ramblers or my hometown um, Lincoln Way East, uh, one of one of those, or just good football. Um, and obviously, we're in the we're in the preps football, so it's always been a fun <laughs> fun weekend. So definitely missing that this year. I think we would have seen Loyola at least in the semis, where it gets that's where for for if you if you are as lead as you think you are, that's where it gets really difficult um, at that point. Um, and maybe even Linkway East, I think they were coming back after their state championship win this year, so or last year, um, with a pretty heavy team. So um, it takes a lot to uh, it takes a lot of talent and a lot of experience to uh, to head up to Wilmette on an early November or late October afternoon on a Saturday and beat the Ramblers in the playoffs, doesn't it, Joe? Yes, it does, especially when you're, <laughs> when you're the top seed in the state. But whatever. Isn't it great when the state semifinal game is better than the state championship game? I love when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the, part of the seating issues, which um, we've talked about before. Um, but uh, what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's as long as we get to see it 
it's it's worth it. You know, you can't I really. Mean, what was it? Two years ago, it was Loyola Brother Rice, right? In the championship, yeah, yeah. But especially for Catholic League fans, um, I'm more of a public school guy. Sorry, Dwojak, but uh, <laughs> for Catholic League fans, that had to be special. But you know, I mean, they get to see Mount Carmel and Providence and all those you know schools all the time. But um, I would have rather seen East there, but it was cool. I feel yeah, like you mentioned. If, Sorry, Marty, go ahead. I feel like if football comes back this season, we cannot complain at all about the seeding in the playoffs. We uh, we are banned from complaining about seeding in the very least. Oh, I'm definitely complaining. <laughs> that is like one of the things that I like will always complain about. That and the shot clock. I think the shot clock is probably number one on my list right now, but still the seeding like never made any sense to me. You know what I wish but I the seeding about right now? What? I, I, sorry, I interrupted you, Mike, but I was saying most years um, back in the day, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Nutria would play Loyola in an opening tournament of basketball. Um, yeah. Basketball. Always be a great slugfest. You know, one of those great Loyola 35-32 slugfests. <laughs> yes. But always fun. Crowds always pretty nuts. Um, I, I went to two of them on Thanksgiving Eve that, that went into overtime, one of them in the triple overtime, and I'd always complain like, like, why? Like, I'm supposed to, like, you know, when I was younger, uh, go out tonight or, uh, you know, do something. It's our night off. And then uh, they'd go into triple overtime. I wish I was complaining about that right now. Those were always <laughs> fun games. The Thanksgiving weekend was always fun because, like you mentioned, you had those games. You had, like, rivalry hockey games going on, like, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And you had championship stuff going on. Uh, yeah, the Thanksgiving, especially the Thanksgiving basketball tournaments are also fun to just – it was like, the, like, obviously, it's the official start of basketball season, but then you get to see how good some teams were going to be, especially in those uh, uh, really uh, good tournaments before they start playing in the summer and playing those holiday tournaments as well. Yeah. But uh, we, you mentioned earlier about Loyola playing Brother Rice, um, and they played Brother Rice because they played Lincoln Way East the week before in the semifinals. I mean, um, I like to think that we are the reason why the Loyola football team started the revenge tour uh, mantra for that season. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, well, you both, all of the three of us, we weren't exactly like at every single game, but we were pretty familiar with the season. What were some of your guys' favorite um, memories just from that season? Um, just based on, I mean, the Ramblers, uh, went on that historic run after a pretty uh, pretty rough start to the season. Yeah, I think on my end, and I sort of jumped onto the, the coverage of the Ramblers that year into the playoffs, so I'm going to um, base most of my conversation and, and discussion on their playoff run specifically that year. But the two games that really stick out to me were the, the games leading up to the championship when they beat – when they defeated Maine South at Maine South in Park Ridge and then went on to beat Lincoln Way, of course, um, at Wilmette uh, a couple weeks later. So those were the the really impressive wins for me. I remember, I believe it was a shutout against Maine South. I could be mistaken, but I believe it was a shutout. Yeah, well, um, re- really impressive showing. I mean, that game just really stuck out to me because you, you don't very often see Maine South um, held scoreless in the playoffs, especially at home. And to hold them scoreless and just – I think they had something maybe like five or six first downs the entire game, Maine South. It was just a tremendous defensive performance. And that was the moment that I, I, I sort of realized, like, this is probably going to be a championship team right here. Um, and then the, the Lincoln the Lincoln Way game was just high school football at its finest hour. Um, back and forth, came down to the last play. 
every single play in that game was crucial. Um, there was just an absolutely packed house in Wilmette. I mean, the, the bleachers were full. There were people hanging around the fences. I mean, that was that was high school football at its at its finest finest hour, in my opinion. Wasn't well, that main style of the game like it was like freezing or there was like snow involved or something like that? I remember like it was, it was like it was like a night game. I remember it, like the circumstances were like brutal for both teams. Yeah, actually, the the Lincoln Way game there was some snow on the field and it was. Uh, right. It was it was real real cold. Um, I think just barely over thirty, if I remember correctly. So um, perhaps that played a little bit into you know the teams teams passing passing offenses and how much they could do in the air. Um, there was a lot of it was a pretty run heavy game, if I remember the uh, the game against Maine South though also a, also a chilly October afternoon, um, but but definitely not as bad as the conditions against uh, Lincoln Way East. Joe, what were your, some of favorite uh, your some of your favorite memories from that uh, revenge tour? Yeah, well, just you know, the revenge tour is such a fun thing to unfold, um, and I think we talked about it early in the podcast. I really do. Um, not giving ourselves too much credit, but I think <laughs> Varsity said like before those games started, like they got a chance here in this playoff run to hit these three teams in a row, um, and it'd be a revenge tour, and they did, and they did it so dominant. And, you know, they didn't absolutely dominate East, but no one could. They were undefeated and the best team in the, in the state throughout the year. But, I mean, they dominated Maine South, and they dominated Brother Rice. That defense was just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, it was the comeback of uh, the, their quarterback, Jack Fallon, was a great story. You know, um, once, you know, they, they dealt with injuries early, and then he came back and found his groove, and um, they just didn't, you know, they didn't lose the rest of the way. And um, that was really cool. The defense – Obviously, the linebacking core um, dominates. Um, Armani Dixon, I remember specifically, was was wreaking havoc um, all year. Gonzalez at safety, if I remember correctly. Who's that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Gonzalez at safety. Oh, yeah. Jake, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jake Gonzalez. That was fun, man. Um, so – some uh, some folks would say that a healthy A.J. Henning might have made the difference in that Lincoln way um, game. If, if some fans remember back to that game, Henning um, was pretty limited. I believe he only played something like maybe a dozen or so snaps. Um, and when he was on the field, he did get targeted a couple times. Obviously, when he's out there, he's, he's there to make an impact. But I could be mistaken. I think it was an ankle injury or, or something lower body that had been bothering him most of that season. Joe would probably be able to, to speak on that a little bit better than myself, but he was, uh, he was extremely limited in that semifinal game. And, and some would argue that's maybe the, uh, the factor that made the difference in the Ramblers moving on. That and the fact that, um, you know, the top team in the state, you know, regarded by everybody had to go on the road in the semifinals for a, for a uh, six and three regular season team, which uh, <laughs> Is, probably the toughest play you, place you probably have to travel to play to as well. I mean, I mean, it's not like the Ramblers definitely have like a home field advantage at home. I mean, I obviously I'm sure a lot of Lincoln Way uh, fans made the trip up and everything, but like a Saturday at Loyola is definitely not a easy place to uh, be playing at as well. I just remember Saturday and Wilmette. There ain't nothing like it, huh, Michael? <laughs> yeah, but I do remember that brother. Not the fir- the first brother race game at this in the in the regular season before they went on their winning streak and just um, how like they just like got 35 got to three destroyed. or something, wasn't it? Like, yeah, they like, yeah, they got destroyed. And I remember Hollis saying like, 
that was like the worst game that he's ever like coached in. Like it was like embarrassing. It was so bad. Um, and obviously it's very cliche, very coach speak to say, well, that's exactly what they needed to go on that historic run and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, clearly it was, I mean, clearly like they got like humiliated by a conference opponent, uh, like a, a Catholic league uh, rival. And that motivated them to win against the, cause I remember that, uh, that game against DeSalle or DeSalle was, wasn't that like a Monday game or something like that? Because uh, the game had to be moved from a Friday because I think there was like some announcement going on that they were worried about stuff. Happening oh yeah. I believe it was, uh, yeah, I believe it was the verdict in the uh, Laquan McDonald in the Jason right. Van Dyke case. Yeah. Van Dyke, yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. I remember they had to move that game and they played on Monday um, and the Ramblers took care of business there and the rest is history. Um, and then I'll probably say my other favorite memory is when the varsity podcast, uh, hosted the official championship episode of, uh, the revenge tour when, uh, we had coach Halasek and, uh, a lot of members from that team on that podcast. We were talking earlier, Joe probably thinks that won an Emmy somewhere. We never received it in the mail, but, um, I'm sure that Emmy was definitely won somewhere, <laughs> but those were, uh, some of the fun memories, uh, to talk about, obviously no football, unfortunately to be played. Um, for now, maybe we'll get football in the spring, in the summer. Who knows what the crazy year that is 2020 and going into 2021 as well. But uh, we are recording this the day before Thanksgiving. So I uh, always like to uh, say thanks to you guys for listening to our podcast here, listening us to ramble on and give ourselves credit when we probably don't deserve credit at all. Um, we appreciate all the listens that we can get. Um, quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere as you listen to iTunes. Make sure you you give us a subscription, give, give us a nice little review as well. We always appreciate it. And uh, tell a friend about the podcast. If anyone, everyone told a friend, we could uh, really uh, spiderweb this thing into uh, global domination. But uh, thanks as always to listening to this episode of the podcast. Thanks to Joe and Marty as well. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.